Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today, we have a pretty uh, different topic for us, unlike anything we've done before. We are tackling the Bride of Frankenstein reboot today. And not just the Bride of Frankenstein reboot, but the Dark Universe colon Bride of Frankenstein universe. And this whole Dark Universe fiasco is something you may or may not be familiar with. We're going to head into it a little bit later. For now, I want to introduce you to one of my best friends in the whole world. She is today's guest, very special guest, I might add. Um, We have with us Samantha White today. Samantha, hi, how's it going? Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here finally, my longtime companion collaborator. I was wondering, um, could you introduce yourself to the Development Hell audience? Yes, I am a writer, producer, editor, um, also in Toronto, and I have not seen nearly as many horror movies as any of you, I'm sure, <laughs> but I am uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> you are. You definitely are getting there. Horror. How has our relationship influenced your relationship with horror? Uh, than I, I ever imagine. did before. I would say I went through like a, I did the classics when I was like a, a tween and then I got too scared for a very long time and then this actually does coincide with uh, the beginning of our relationship 
mm-hmm. which would be that I got on anxiety medication <laughs> yeah. and thus have been able to engage with content that makes me fear things a little more in a healthy way. It's a, it's part of it for me. I was thinking about that the other day, but because I used to be able to, or I used to not be able to even watch like an episode of Criminal Minds without uh, spinning out for literal weeks. So. Well, listen, Criminal Minds probably the scariest content on the planet, <laughs> scarier than anything we've covered on this podcast. Absolutely, uh, yes. Um, I also, because I know you so well, I know that you <laughs> are on a bit of a horror journey right now with your husband. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit of what's going on there? What's that like? What are you guys up to? So we've kind of actually been going on like three simultaneous horror journeys over the past year or so. We started with all of the Thomas Harris stuff. So we did like all of the movies that deal with like the Hannibal Lecter universe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really cool. Um, I'd never seen Silence of the Lambs, which, you know, obviously um, iconic. iconic. Mm -hmm. Um, So then now we've kind of moved on to – to early slashers and we're doing all the classics there. Uh, mm-hmm. We did Black Christmas, which was super fun. And we oh, went you to did? Black- I don't think yeah. I knew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, we did that one in the my... summer. Oh, and then we went to see the house, route. too. Oh, in Toronto, of course. Yeah, on like a kind of a private street, but you can, you can walk on it. I don't want to give too much away, but I don't think this is the last we're going to be hearing about Black Christmas for, for this month, and that is all I have to say. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Black Christmas remake from 2006 starring Michelle Trachtenberg? Wait, there's a Michelle Trachtenberg one? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Thought you were, I, I thought I was prepared to be like, I thought you were talking about the, what was it, 2019? No, no, no. So there's a 2006. There's a 2006, and it's just called Black Xmas, which I actually appreciate. Mm. Yeah, it definitely starts uh, stars Michelle Trachtenberg and mm, Fisher. Carrie Fisher, yes. Okay. She plays. She plays like the. I'm almost certain she plays the house mom in it. I know she also plays the house mom in Sorority Row. So sometimes I get it confused. So funny. Yeah, it was not. The highlight of her career, the mid-aughts, I will say. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Well, Any other um, slasher, thriller, spookiness that you and husband Howard have come across lately of note that, well, like that I have said, sort of stuck to you? Like I said, we've been doing all the a, a ton of the early, early slashers. Um, we did Sleep Away Camp, which I really oh enjoyed, God. which was a which I know you uh, thought I was. Uh, it seems like jumping in the deep end. It <laughs> is, but what can I say? The, the curling iron worked for me. Oh, that's um, so funny! I did an episode on Sleep Away Camp four not that long ago, and yes. our guest. Um, I rightly refused to acknowledge the existence of that curling iron moment. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's his right. I think that as a culture, we should be allowed to erase the curling iron moment. Although personally, I think it's classic. I think it's classic. I, I enjoyed mean, it. It's not, it's not the 2021 moment. I mean, what is? Um, I was going to say nothing, but I think a Bride of Frankenstein reboot really could be, and we will get there. We're not Ooh. there, but we will get there. Um, Let's do it. So what is your, and if it's nothing, feel free to say that, but what's your general relationships to the universal monsters? Before we watched Bride of Frankenstein for this episode, had you seen any of the original ones, or were you just sort of familiar with them through the 
pop cultural zeitgeist. So I was thinking about that as we were like starting mm-hmm. to talk about doing this episode. And I don't think I've ever seen any of the actual original Universal monster movies aside mm-hmm. from Bride of Frankenstein for today. I've seen like obviously I'm very familiar with the characters because mm-hmm. they are they are classics. Um <laughs> and I have experiences with like remakes and adaptions, like your your Jekyll and Hyde the musical, you know. I saw wow, I saw ooh, someone like you. I saw the nineties mummy, obviously. Incredible movie, by the way. We can't just brush by that like it's nothing. Like we don't care. I feel like I, I feel I feel like we went through a period of a, like a, a peak and valley with, with how much we respect that film series. But I think now that like we've decided that the Mummy's amazing. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say I feel like he is still in the midst of his Keanu. Uh, still? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I'm ready for it to be over. I don't really? know why. I just don't trust men you know i've yeah, got that, me, men trauma that makes two of us on on this mic <laughs> yeah 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 i've poked around i know i know the characters i know i know the uh the settings but i don't necessarily mm-hmm. uh, too much of a i don't know the blueprint i'm listening to you and then i also which i think you did as well i was a big fan of well big fan of the whole uh podcast that Karina Longworth does called You Must Remember This. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's a film and old Hollywood uh, history podcast that's incredible. If you just kind of the responsible for the birth of this podcast on some level. That's all I'll say. Well, it was, I think the, I think the mm. first podcast you ever got into. Yep. And it's thanks to little Miss Samantha White over here. Uh, Sam is the reason I even like got into podcasts in the first place. Yeah. And it did start with you must remember this specifically with an episode on Val Newton, like classic horror aficionado. Mm. Um, what's the movie he did? Cat People. Oh yeah, I just I love didn't that know that was the episode. Yeah, which it's an early episode mm-hmm. in that series too. But, but well, yeah, you're welcome, everybody. Anyway, she did a, a couple a couple spooky seasons ago. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. Octobers ago, she did that series on Bella and Boris. Oh, um, right. And so I feel like I everything I know about kind of like the, the history of those movies being made in that time is kind of from her and from that. And how dare that miniseries be boring, first of all? Because <laughs> I, I mean, listen, everyone should know, both of us truly obsessed with You Must Remember This. Mm-hmm. Um, not all no. her miniseries are created equal. Sorry. Um, I'm going to pivot Me. into telling you a little bit about my initial relationship with the Universal Monster world, if you're okay yes, with please that. please do. I would love to hear. So I, unlike, have actually have a bit of a history with the original classic Universal Monsters, but nothing too deep. Um, uh, I want to stress that if you are interested in learning more about the original Universal Monsters canon, I really suggest you guys check out the podcast, The Monsters That Made Us. They, too, were featured on Variety's uh, 13 podcasts to make you scream list. And um, yes, 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 yes. I'm going to wait for your applause because obviously we were on it, too. But it's a really cool. Ah! Um, Yeah, an amazing show. But I've seen a few. I think the first time I ever saw anything from 
the Universal Monsters canon was when I was in university. I think I was in a horror movie class or some kind of class, and we did watch the original Frankenstein. And I remember thinking, oh, this is boring. Um, And I have seen the original Dracula many times. I actually love it. It's one of, I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but I definitely say out of everything that I've seen from like the original Universal, it's up there. And also, yeah, huge. What do you love love about it? it? It's so gothic and it's Mm. so camp and it's kind of, honestly, are you ready? Scary. I find it to be a little scary. I definitely saw that in university too on like a laptop in my, in my room. But I I remember being like, oh, like this is making me feel some kind of way. It'll hold on like shots of rats being spooky. It's just Mm. like, it's a spooky, ooky boo. And I, and I do like it. Another reason that I'm so connected to the original Dracula is because um, I'm a big Philip Glass fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably come up in our Candyman episode, but like I stand Philip Glass from here to forever. And I think it was the late 90s, maybe more recently than that, he composed a brand new score for Dracula. And they did release a version of the original Dracula scored by Philip Glass. And it's, Oh, that's incredible. It's, yeah, it's, it, it is truly heightened, monumental, the only girl in the room. And it's That's really That's one of those things I'd go to, like, the symphony to see. Yes. Oh, yeah. Shit. And you know every other Halloween, the symphony is doing some shit like that. So. Oh, absolutely. When are they going to do Philip Glass's Candyman score live? Well, yeah, other than Dracula, the original Frankenstein. I definitely have seen the original Wolfman. And now I've seen Bride of Frankenstein, and that might be it for, like, the uh, true blue originals. I see, as someone who, uh, from time to time, gets to, you know, visit your apartment, um, (laughs) that I think aesthetic of the Universal monster movies, these original ones, is full Josh Corngut. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank I you, mean, right. these castles—they are just it. This, <laughs> yeah. this is what this was the blueprint. Now, this, I see this was the blueprint for Jay Cornga. It's absolutely correct. I also love these like the the opening scene of Bride of Frankenstein is maybe one of my favorites in the film. Is you just have uh, <laughs> it's a scene with Mary Shelley lounging with two like incredible, men, In- incredible, and the room. I guess it must be like a soundstage is yeah. huge. Like they don't even pretend. It's just like the the fireplace just goes up like literally seventy feet in the air, and the and the big and the big like windows are like whoosh seventy feet in the air. It's just like whoa, I love it. I was and obsessed I also love with her that whole that. scene. I <laughs> love the framing device. It was so funny. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how they used and what they did in that opening scene for Bride of Frankenstein? Do you want yeah, to give us a for little sure. bit of a context. So I believe in that opening scene, we are seeing an actress who is later the actress who will portray Bride of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And she Mm -hmm. is uh, portraying Mary Shelley. And it's kind of this meta scene with um, Mary Shelley's husband. And then I don't know who the other guy is. Um, Yeah. But they're just kind of. (laughs) Yeah. Gay. For sure. Um, Yes. So they are. They're just kind of talking about the book and the idea that this um, this woman with her 
and this is a direct quote, fragile white fingers who's scared <laughs> of lightning uh, could could tell stories of monsters. And it's like this super campy, yeah. like it's super, it really knows what it's doing. Do you think she's in on the joke? Do you think she's in on, in on it in that moment? Um, the film itself? Like, do you think it realizes what it's saying about misogyny? I think it has to. I think so too. Yeah. I don't know um, if it knows what it's saying, like, other than that. <laughs> but, no, no, no. I don't like, think it's going too deep, because it can't. Yeah. But uh, Elsa Lan... I hope I'm saying this right. Elsa Lanchester, I believe, is the name of the actress that plays mm-hmm. Mary Shelley and the monster's mate. And she's given it. She's she really full-blown is. full-blown drag in this scene. Um, what Everyone a face. Is. Oh, yeah. Every Oh, God. The men more so even than her. She's fucking gorgeous, though. And she is gorgeous in a way that is a little scary. It's, it's those it's, eyes. It's those eyes. And the teeth. Does that make sense? Like, the teeth are kind of imperfect. But mm-hmm. her face is extremely perfect. So it's yeah. like, it's a little off-putting. And I'm absolutely obsessed with it. You may know Elsa from her role in Mary Poppins, That Darn Cat, Blackbeard's Ooh. Ghost, and even the 1971 horror film Willard. So this girl's been around the block. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever seen her in anything before this. De- me neither, but I definitely have those promo black and white shots of her for this <laughs> film ingrained in my my in my my membrane. Well, this this may be jumping ahead a little bit, but it's mm. it's so it's it was so funny to me to re- realize that this is like a this movie is almost it's almost like a waiting for Godot type thing. Like she's oh barely gosh. in this movie. <laughs> like yeah, she is, and it, it's sad. And it's a just bit. that one image, and and that's it's carried sad. like that has. That iconography has carried so far, despite the fact that she is in it for truly two minutes, does absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah, Um, means nothing. It adds nothing nothing. to the plot. But she's so good. Yeah. And the terror of the shriek of when she sees Frankenstein and every second you see her on screen, the weight is just palpable. It's so good. I love it so much. And yeah, I was going to say it's kind of sad that we don't have more of the titular character in this film but Mm -hmm. at the same time it like makes it all the more i don't know like incredible when she is on screen totally and i think the i think this the meta framing device it was so strange but it worked so well and she and And if we don't come back to it it doesn't bookend no which is so so weird she's yeah the two like her two gay lovers (laughs) because <laughs> I'm assuming this is some kind of triangle. Yes, yes, are yes. like, ooh, it's a spooky, ooky night. Like, tell us more, tell us more. And she's like, okay, come, 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 come. And they like <laughs> sit next to her on this cute little couch. And she's like, girls, I've got it. And then she like, yeah, frames the story that we're about to hear. Samantha, would you be comfortable with allowing me to give yourself and our listeners a bit of a seminar on the original 1935 film? I would absolutely love that. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein came out in 1935 and was the first sequel ever produced by the Universal Pictures monster canon. Um, uh, just like the first film, Bride of Frankenstein was directed by James Whale, who I cannot wait for us to unpack a little bit later, and does star Boris Karloff as the monster. May I just say 
credited only as Karloff in this. Yes. Did you notice that? I, not, of course I noticed King. it. Oh my god, it's like this is Madonna. This Madonna, is Prince. Beyonce, this Prince. is Karloff. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Taylor Swift at some point. It's too late, but Taylor Swift really could have been a mono. But she is. It is funny how you can say Taylor and it does just mean her, even though I she's know, very much not monominous. But you want to say Swift so bad. You yeah, can't not. True. You cannot not. You cannot um, not. So this sequel also features Elsa Lanchester, as we mentioned earlier, in two roles. She plays, as we were saying, Mary Shelley, the author of the story Frankenstein. And she also plays the Bride of Frankenstein herself, a.k.a. the monster's mate, who does go uncredited in this film. I don't know if you noticed. At the end, it says the monster's mate played by dot, 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 question mark, which I think is... Uncredited twice, because they show us, Hmm. which is very funny. I don't know if you noticed this, but they show the same, like, credit card at the beginning and at the end, but... At the end, it says on top, like, credits so nice we showed them twice or something. (laughs) Yeah, it's something like that. No, it's like a a cast. Yeah, something about, yeah, yeah, a cast so nice we got to show it twice. I love it. Someone had a little bit of a sense of humor back in the day. Mm -hmm. It must have been a gay. Must have been Whoever wrote that uh, that, uh, meta opening scene also was in charge of the... yeah, Colin Clive reprises his role as Henry Frankenstein. And we also have a Mr. Ernest, oh God, Siger, if I said that wrong, just forgive me because I'm really trying, who plays the role of Dr. Fuck, I, and I was so scared I wasn't going to know how to pronounce this. How do you pronounce that doctor's name? Dr. Pretorius? Pretorius? They say it literally 30 times in the movie. You think I'd remember, but I don't. I think it's Pretorius. Pretorius. That sounds almost right. Yeah, so... Septimus uh Pretorius. Septimus Pretorius. Yeah, so that's played by Mr. Ernest, and it's uh, a runaway character in this one. Pretty, pretty fascinating. The plot itself picks up Halloween kills style right after the original. Also Halloween 2, how dare I? Um, Yeah, and and it... shows Henry Frankenstein as he tries to sort of abandon his plans for creating zombies, because, like, who knew that was going to be a bad idea, until he's finally convinced by his old mentor to get back into the gig, and together they create a mate for the monster who has survived the ending of the first film. What a man will do to uh, avoid Mm -hmm. commitment, am I right? Uh, I know. Uh, you have to know. You know, you know what? It has to be right. Otherwise, it, you got to get out. Bride of Frankenstein was released, uh, and everyone loved it. And it, over the years, has become even more critically acclaimed than its predecessor, Frankenstein. Um, over the years, its reputation has just gotten better and better. And some people consider this to be one of the greatest sequels ever made. And is considered by many to be James Whale's singular masterpiece in 1998 it was decided to be deemed culturally historically or aesthetically significant enough for the national film registry to preserve it forever and ever and ever it was made for um i don't know if it was modest at the time but it was made for a budget of around four hundred thousand dollars in 1935 money and then reaped a benefit of about two million and so in 2021 money, that's about $8 million of a budget versus $40 million of uh, earning, which is, I think, for the time, pretty successful. 
That Happy. sounds like a, a best case scenario Sundance movie. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. A24 could never. Um, how They'll do we try. feel about it overall? Like, we, you know, turning it off, first impressions, sitting with it. Where did we land? How do we feel? Well, let me just say, it's sort of beside the point, um, but boy, do I love a 1935 runtime. I think this guy clocked in at an hour and 14 minutes and- Yeah, 75 minutes long. That's a movie. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I enjoyed it. I, as we said, I really liked the framing device. I, there were some really like sweet scenes in it. Um- yeah, that I really enjoyed. Um, I loved the scene when he's in that little cottage in the woods with the blind man, and the I just want to yeah. see them have like a like Bert and Ernie life together. You know, were they like a little bit gay? They were definitely like a, a bit gay. A little bit gay. I mean, there's lots of gay in this, and we're gonna get into that ASAP Rocky when we start talking about James Whale. But yeah, yeah, I couldn't help but think gay, gay, gay. When oh, uh, the, the monster and the blind man were like touching hands and drinking and smoking together. Yeah, it, it seemed like the, the beginning of truly a beautiful cohabitation. Um, although yeah. who's the top? Frankenstein's monster or the blind man in the woods? I think we know. Well, who? I, I, I would like to know what the straight girl thinks. I think Frankenstein's monster is the, is the, the top. top. I think so too. He the the blind man did not give me top energy. No, but as I've said many times before on this podcast, when it comes to who's the top, you kind of have to go with the opposite of the natural impulse. It's always the other. It's always, you know, like freak in the sheets is a steak in the bleats. It's like you know, got to inverse it. That's my favorite phrase. It. Yeah, I, I and I definitely <laughs> said it verbatim. <laughs> um, yeah. And when it comes to the ending, because this is the only part that we actually get to encounter the Bride of Frankenstein yes. in, in her full glory, um, how did we feel that went down? Did we? How did we feel? Did, did it make it all worth it in the end? Well, that that that's a big no from me. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense of just yeah, I mean, this whole movie—it's this this build-up. Although they don't really get to. Hmm, I, it's definitely meandery. We we're not yeah. really focused on the making yeah. of the bride the whole time. Even yeah, though for seventy five she... minutes, there's a lot of meandering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, mm-hmm. But th- as we said, we liked some of the meandering too. Um, oh, ab- absolutely. Um, but I yes. like. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm kind of obsessed. I'm gonna. I don't know how to say his name, so I'm just gonna call him Doctor Patronus. But um. Mm-hmm. A little bit obsessed with Dr. Patronus's vibe. Yes. Um, giving me drag that entire time. Uh, yeah, the ending is is interesting. It, there's definitely some... What's the fancy word for feeling sad in our feelings? Um, pathos. Mm-hmm. Lots of pathos being tossed around. And I really like how... Because I believe in the first film, and I'm sorry if I'm getting this wrong, everybody, the monster sort of destroys Henry and tosses him off of a roof and just kind of kind of kills him. But in this one, the opposite happens. He sort of decides that Henry Frankenstein is deserving of life and deserving of love with his wife. 
and before he self-destructs the whole building with a lever that's just in the middle of the room, I think <laughs> we can design this a little bit less disasterly, but that's okay. He I think allows it, there was <laughs> it was maximalist in there. Yeah. It's like um in Star Wars, how like shooting one little beam into that one little hole explodes the whole Death Star. It kind of had yeah. a similar energy to that. But you know what? They're playing with life and death. Life and death can play with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And so the monster decides that Henry can live and sends mm-hmm. him off on his way. And then he turns to Dr. Patronus and he's like, girl, no, you stay. You and I should be dead. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and it all comes crumbling down. And this is after they have fashioned a lady friend for, yes. for our dear Frankenstein's monster. Friend. And- Friends. And it's so sad. She's scared of him, just like all the shitty humans are. They shouldn't have given her eyes. That's where they ran Yeah, she was a little scarier. Maybe she'd be a little less judgmental. Or just make her blind. Yeah, yeah, blind her. Um, You know, there's enough blind people going around in this movie, though, Samantha. Um, I I just mean if if we want everyone to live in harmony. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I think that we do. I want uh, Frankenstein's monster to live in harmony because he's a sweetie pie. He's so sweet, but why is she so hot and he's so ugly? That didn't seem right. Yeah, they definitely. I was, I was thinking that as I watched too. They really perfected the process from uh, yeah, real from fast. Really person one fast. to person two. Wait, also, but uh huh. You go. Well, is she? Because she does have kind of the patchwork kind of vibes going on on her face too. Is only she just also under the neck? That's only like just under the neck. Yeah, generally yeah. she looks kind of cohesive. So is is she unlike Frankenstein? Like was she one person that they brought back to life, or is she patchwork monster and they just made it look better? I she think... was very wrapped up in bandages. Yeah, I have no idea. They bandages they only really hot. they only really showed us that one woman's grave but i think he was getting like the brain and stuff from other places murder yeah they murdered a lady remember he's like it's a lot of money and then he like jumps a lady oh in in the i could be wrong wasn't that when he he, um captured the the fiance no there's another scene where they send i forgot his name but like the henchman (laughs) and they're like we they're like, go to the like the teaching hospital and get us a fresh brain, I believe. Mm. And he's like, okay. And then he just like doesn't want to do that for some reason and goes and just snatches a lady off the street. I could be misinterpreting what I saw, but this is what I interpreted. Well, and then there's the body that they steal that they steal from the monastery, right? Yes. We watched this movie, okay? So if you're yelling <laughs> at us in your car, we really did. We really did. Um, yeah. Any other sort of overall feelings, thoughts, concerns before we head into reboot territory? One thing <laughs> I wanted to say about Frankenstein's monster, which I didn't really realize, and this goes back to him just being an absolute number one sweetie at at heart. Um his greatest defense is like shoving. <laughs> and maybe this is why yeah. these movies could not work in a cinematic universe the way that we conceive of them in our 2021 uh, world. Mm. But 
he's he's barely violent. He literally the only thing he does is shove. In this movie. In this movie, um, yes. In the original, he does murder a little girl. Unfortunately, it does it does semi disrupting his sweetie status. Although the whole point of it is that he doesn't do it with malicious intent. He's just like, oh, it's a little girl throwing onto the lake. Yeah, it's a Lenny situation, right? Literally that. Yeah. Literally that. Good, good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't really. Yeah, he doesn't. I'm not afraid of him. Like, no. there's not a moment in this movie where I'm like, oh, oops. Although I guess he does murder the two parents of the child he murdered. So like, that's not a good look. No, it's it's not great. Oh my god! You know who we haven't touched on? Who's my favorite character in this entire film? Minnie, the the insane housekeeper lady, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the old lady, <laughs> and she gets a lot of screen time. And I have to say, I'm a big fan. I am a big fan of Minnie. I wonder if I can find. She is ringing the alarm from top to bottom. Like, yeah, she's doing the her moral. Fucking best. If people, if we had believed Minnie, Winnie, what's her name? Uh, yeah, Minnie. Minnie. Mini. Mini. Yeah. Uh, if we believe by... Mini, uh-huh. then so much believe... of this could be avo- avoided. Honestly, hashtag believe Mini. Um, Mini was played by Una O'Connor. What a name. Can so... I give you one? I, I want to say one yeah. more little thing. Yes, please. I don't know if you noticed this. Did you notice how many references there were to being in bed and how everyone should be in bed by now and how good yeah, people if, are in bed. Yeah, yeah, I stand by it. I, I agree. I stand by it too. It, it felt, it it hit me and I yeah. I took it's it like in. Any, yeah, Minnie says that at least once. She's like, yes. um, it's late and if you were not a freaky, freaky, like scary monster, like you'd be in bed right now. You'd be sleeping. You'd be sleeping. It's kind of true. It's like the How I Met Your Mother, like nothing good happens after 3 a.m. Absolutely. It is absolutely correct. How I Met Your Mother, is it relevant again? I don't know. Hard to say. Hilary Duff, tell us. Oh my God, that's right. Kind of perfect casting. Oh, it's so, good casting. Yeah, like not. Yeah, it's, she's totally the Lady Ted Mosby of 2021. Like, she didn't get to be. Cute. She didn't get to be sexy adult Lizzie McGuire. So. Oh yeah, that didn't happen. This. That didn't happen. That just like fell through the cracks. Yeah, because she so, wanted. I mean, devel- talk about development hell. She wanted to. Um, she wanted Lizzie to fuck and Disney. Didn't want it to be fuck. sexy. Oh, and then it, know, it broke apart. I don't want Lizzie to fuck. I mean, if I if she fucks, she's like fucking in like a very uh, Disney Plus presents Star Channel kind of a way. You know, it's like there's a moral. Um. Okay, so I'm gonna jump in to the Bride of Frankenstein reboot, which has been in the works. For a very long time, in fact, maybe since the late 80s, early 90s. Can I give you a little bit of of a preliminary seminar? Yes. I had no idea it dated back that. Universal tried to remake Bride of Frankenstein many, many times. And the closest that we've ever got to actually seeing a rebooted, sort of recalibrated version of this story was the strange thriller from 1985 called The Bride, which I had never heard of. Me neither. Sting. Yeah. What a cl- cast too, because it stars Sting, horror icon Clancy Brown, and Jennifer Beals. Bananas. It was, but I know, so bananas. And it was a huge flopperella. 
So that's probably why most people have not heard about it. Mm-hmm. In 1991, uh, Universal was considering remaking Bride of Frankenstein for like cable, for TV. Okay. And Mr. Martin Scorsese even expressed interest in taking on that project at the time, although it never happened. Interesting. So, Fast forward another 10, 20 years, and Imagine Entertainment contacted a few of their pals, including the people who wrote the screenplay for American Splendor, to write the remake. Uh, it was going to take place in modern-day New York, and that never happened. And I, who owns Imagine Entertainment? It's uh, Ron Howard, I think, because they make fun of that all the time on uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're always in the Imagine Entertainment offices. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. funny. Um, good show, guys. Okay. Brian Grazer, I think? Yeah, I think it's them. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Also didn't happen. So June 20... So, no, didn't happen. In June 2009, Universal and Imagine, as you were saying, entered discussions with Neil Berger and producer Brian Grazer to oversee this remake, which would still never through it. So the last update before the Dark Universe occurs was in 2015 when Variety reported that uh, David Coep, I hope I'm saying that right, I'm probably not, was hired to write the script. So this guy, David Coep, and I'm so sorry that I'm saying his name wrong, uh, is responsible for writing like a lot of modern Hollywood junk. Yes. He wrote Mission Impossible. He wrote Panic Room. He directed Stir of Echoes. I believe he wrote the 2002 Spider-Man, the 2008 Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I think and he also he- wrote Mordecai. <laughs> What is Mordecai? Mordecai is that it's like the last acting job Gwyneth Paltrow ever took before. uh, uh, He directed it. Oh, he directed it. Damn it. He directed Mordecai starring Johnny Depp and yes, Gwen. Oh my God. Andrew Lazar produced it. I'm related to him. This is true. I am related to Andrew Lazar. He's really on my dad's side of the family. Wow. He And I knew this as a kid because everyone was like... Movies and the time, remember he did that cats versus dogs movie, okay, and death to Smoochie. And I remember being twelve and thinking like, "This is it. This is my in. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna make it." And of course, I've never talked to him again. But that's interesting that he's producing crappy stuff still. Hi, Andrew. Please give me a job. I didn't just insult you. <laughs> so uh, this David Coop guy, <sighs> yes, I'm saying his name wrong. Get over it. He also wrote. 2017's The Mummy. And so this is going to be a chilling foreshadow for why Bride of Frankenstein's reboot has never happened. The Mummy was the inaugurative, not a real word, uh, project for what was going to be the dark universe, extended universe of reboots connecting all of sort of new versions of the universal classic monster films. And the first one they made was that Tom Cruise movie in 2017, which he also wrote, which was a flopperella. Nobody liked it. Nobody saw it. It didn't do well. No. Some, yeah. Some perceptions on why it sank the ship for the rest of the Dark Universe films is because it was going in like an action sort of like, 
I don't want to say lighthearted, but it was it was going less gothic, less horror, and more mainstream action movie. And it the the tone just wasn't right, and nobody was interested. Clearly, they were interested in creating their own Marvel esque extended universe of IP, which Universal had under their belt. But it it just didn't. It didn't work. It's Nobody was interested. A, such a wild misunderstanding of what people want, I think. Yes. And like such, such, um, what's it called where you like, you believe it's going to work? Hubris. Um, hubris or like um, confidence. So much confidence that it was yes. going to happen. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the... Uh, their introduction to the world, how Dark Universe, the uh, new branded extended universe that was going to connect all of these reboots of different universal monsters, how did they introduce themselves to the world? Because I think you are familiar with this post. Oh, I am very familiar with this post. I mean, this is the most fascinating element of all of this to me. I love a failed franchise. This is like... Mm -hmm. something that is just dripping in celebrity and money and they just can't make it work on any level it's like the quibby of cinematic universes i love it Um, oh it absolutely is and so they decided to announce this i don't know if it was do you know if it was just the tweet it was Was just a tweet i think that the mummy had come out or was en route but yeah, I believe it was just a tweet with with like a with like a cast of just like a yeah. Yeah. With so a they, portrait of a bunch of different celebs. So I don't know if they just put it out on social or they did some sort of press thing, but basically they had a they had a logo for Dark Universe and they had six very famous people and one less famous person uh, <laughs> in black t-shirts and a very like Hollywood reporter style. Yeah, shoot. exactly that. Um, like so, some fold out chairs that nobody's sitting Le- on. Different levels, bed. different levels, different levels. Different levels, absolutely. And I think the tweet said, witness the beginning of a dark universe. And Oof. that's how they were... Yeah, that's how they were introducing us to this to this uh, what extended they, universe that they had such massive hopes for. This, I mean, this is peak everyone trying to be Marvel, right? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And yeah, we we just thought every yeah everyone was like, we need extended universes, and I don't even think we need the ones that we have. No, to be honest. no, I think we can cut our. I think we can trim our universes uh, every six weeks. I want a limited universe. (laughs) That is what I want. Yeah. So this reboot, this remake that was in the works way before Dark Universe ever came along, then got um, compartmentalized into this Dark Universe banner. There are a number of projects that were announced, as you were mentioning, under the Dark Universe banner, Mm -hmm. including... Um, the Invisible Man, which would eventually come out in a very different context. There was, uh, I think, there was a Wolfman project, um, which is also coming out. They, there's oh. new announcements about that with Ryan Gosling. Oh yes, uh, but it's going to be in a very different context. Like I believe Dark Universe itself has uh, died, and some of these films are still being made, you know, in a very different way. 
Bride of Frankenstein, though, on the other hand, is one that uh, keeps coming up in the conversation, but is still dead on arrival as of this recording today. Um, I had no idea, just to take us off track for just a moment, I had no idea that the Phantom of the Opera was one of the Universal Monsters. Yeah, me neither. Me neither, but I I, I think it it is. I was looking at a list today of the original Universal Monsters, Mm -hmm. and um, they were definitely interesting. There was some stuff in there that I wasn't completely... That I did, I wasn't sure was in there, and I think that was one of them. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. know um, creature creature from the Black Lagoon was considered. Yes, um, wow, yes. what a classic! Mm-hmm. I don't, you may know, or maybe you don't know, but Guillermo del Toro has famously been pursuing creature from the Black Lagoon for a long time, and when he wasn't given the rights to do it, uh, is when he decided to make his own version with the Shape of Water. He said, so, I will get fins in here. Yeah. I will have fish sex if it's the this way or that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, as we were saying before, the mummy flopped. They and flopped. It, it, in true Hollywood fashion, they got cold feet and they pulled the rug under everyone. Um, it turns although- out you cannot structure an entire cinematic universe around... A picture of Tom no, Cruise like a, standing an and Russell Crowe sitting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that one girl that plays the mummy that like we kind of forget the name of. I mean, but I R.I.P. Think her, right? Oh, she. Is yeah, good. I think she is. I don't know. I have nothing to base that on. I, I just, as a news writer at Dread Central, I do see the name come up, even though you think I remember it. it. Love to hear it too. Yeah, she's a cutie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should know her name, but we don't. We celebrate um, her. We celebrate her. So it's not all bad news for Dark Universe. It is all bad news for Dark Universe, but it's not all bad news for these reboots. The Invisible Man uh, by Lee Wan did come out, and it was a huge success, and actually we watched it together. We did watch it together. What are your thoughts on the Elizabeth Moss vehicle, The Invisible Man? And I've actually, I watched it with Howard later, so I have seen that movie twice which is cool. i'm sure is flabbergasting to you but um yeah. i enjoyed it i it worked for me i it was doing like it's it was very of its post me too time but i feel like it was it hit the marks that it was trying to do i didn't like the sisters kid stuff was pretty weak but other than that i I don't remember the sisters kid but i remember the sister having a very iconic death scene yes it was great so the only scene i remember from that film yeah so um that was made in cahoots with uh universal favorite jason blum and blumhouse yes so i don't I don't know if they're going to continue the Jason Blum route with these other reboots. I think Mm. maybe they will, but how did you feel about that one? I was, I don't know. It was a little mask for mask for my taste, Mm. even though it did star a lady. It was uh, a little action heavy for me. It was a little sleek for me. Lee was off the success of doing upgrade which people really really like but is definitely more of like an action focused film Mm -hmm. and i get the sense that that is like a talent of his 
is like a tense action. Hmm. And it's not really my dark universe to to trudge that back up. Um, although I am a huge fan of the Insidious films, which mm. he has written and directed several entries of. So this boy knows how to do horror. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he ever goes back to tradition horror world. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. Um, but to get a little bit deeper into the Bride of Frankenstein reboot under the Dark Universe banner, it was likely if the mummy had been more of a success it was would have been the second sort of proper dark universe title it was going to be directed by bill condon who is famous for directing gothic classics like okay let's take out the word classic uh candyman 2 twilight breaking dawn part one and two he also did dream girls and maybe most interestingly he is the man behind 1998's gods and monsters a biopic about james whale creating bride of frankenstein in all of his gay glory are you familiar with this movie i am not so um gods and monsters uh, won the Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay, was also nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role by Ms. for Mr. Ian McKellen, and as well as a Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Lynn Redgrave. Uh, Gods and Monsters sort of reconstructs the production of Bride of Frankenstein. So we're seeing him on the set of Bride of Frankenstein and what he's up to. And the title itself, Gods and Monsters, is taken from a scene of Bride of Frankenstein where uh, Dr. Patronus says to Dr. Frankenstein, mm-hmm. to a new world of gods and monsters. Um, I want to talk about James Will for half of a second here, if you're comfortable with yeah, that. Yeah, I know you're very me. homophobic, so I may have to warn you. No, just kidding. I will put <laughs> that out. James Will was uh, an out, like, uh, like a not closeted homosexual in Hollywood in the 30s. He's famous for directing tons of classics, including Dracula, Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein, I believe Freaks. He was like a very famous dude. And people kind of left him alone back in the day. It was sort of like a a well-known secret that he was gay Hmm. and people kind of didn't care. Although I think at the end of the day, people did care and it did end up hurting his career. Oh yeah, he also did the original The Invisible Man. Cool. Which is, which is cool. Yeah. And so he so Bill Condon directs this movie about James Whale and then down the line gets hired by Dark Universe or Universal to create this reboot of Bride of Frankenstein, which is pretty cool. Um it kind of gives me Shadow of the Vampire meets Dracula, which is sort of sort of okay, like Okay, um, okay. Yeah. Um unfortunately, it does not Whatever. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen. And in October of 2017, it's reported that it has sort of been scrapped. Um, Angelina Jolie and Javier Bardem were attached to the movie originally as uh, Frankenstein's monster and the bride, respectively. So what do we think of that casting? I go back and forth on this. It would really depend on the... I don't know. I I feel like the Angelina of it all maybe wouldn't still work. Um, Unfortunately, Mm. I feel like she's a little... I feel like, again, it would have to... It would depend so much on what story they're doing. But I feel like she's a little old, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. at this stage. 
Um, I don't know. It feels pretty right. pretty right. safe. A list. Yeah, they are exactly both people important. who can scowl very well. Yeah, um, I do see it. They're good. They're good choices if under the right production, but it's a little boring. Yeah, it's a little safe. A list, like, yeah, who cares? Exactly. Um, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, and maybe I can give my answer first to give you a little bit of um, leeway. Yeah, but I was wondering, like, do we have any like <laughs> any other suggestions for who could have been cute casting for Bride of Frankenstein? Um, and I do have some in mind. If you want me to go first, while you think. Yes, you go first, and I will think for sure. So who are the two? I want to go younger, as you were saying, and I want to go, like, um, a little bit more millennial with it. So two Ryan Murphy favorites, I think. Oh, I know where you're going to (laughs) go. Do you? One, I think Kiki Palmer, give her the role. Like, Kiki Palmer deserves to be Bride of Frankenstein. She is going to actually write. The role of Bride of Frankenstein, like you can't. I, I oh, don't yeah, know yeah. how anyone has... to put Kiki Palmer in that movie. No, 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 no cameo for Kiki. No cameo <laughs> for Kiki. Kiki gets the gets the leading role. But I do think any modern update on Bride of Frankenstein needs to be more focused on Bride on the Bride herself. Absolutely, like I, it needs to be a story about a woman. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, Kiki Palmer is my number one, and then my number two. Like I know where like the zeitgeist just kind of chewed her out and no, doesn't care anymore. But Emma Roberts, give her this lead. Show us what you can do, Emma Roberts. Wow. I'm laughing already. He went there. He went thank, there. Thank you. He went to thank a place you, of you. Emma Roberts. <laughs> and, I, and I'm never coming back. I'm here forever. This is my Pinterest. This is my hell. Yeah. My I like Pinterest it. I like thinks it. I'm obsessed with Emma Roberts, which is really funny. Because I'm, I guess I am. But I use it for work. Mm. So I'm like, why? Well, I don't need, I don't need her right now. Yeah. That's so Do you funny. like it? I think Kiki is better. I think Kiki's better. I like Kiki. I mean, Kiki's gonna pull off anything. So Oh yeah. And she's about to be in like a big mainstream horror movie yes. next year. She's in the new Jordan oh, Peel, right? She's in the new Jordan Peel. She's in the top three billing for Nope. So that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Because everyone loves her. Everyone thinks she's the best, but she doesn't really have a lot of leading role credits yet. She's no. not really she a silver screen aficionado. She's got a she's got a bit of a Lucy Hale quality in that she can't really make anything stick. She can't you know? really land, which I think is partially just luck. Yes, but she but Kiki also does everything too. Like she's hosted a yeah. talk show. She's on Broadway. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. she that girl. She's everywhere, and she deserves to be a list ingenue. Yes, but if she needs to just host a talk show, like I support it. I do too. When when, the, when we all thought that um. What's her name? Uh, how you doing? <laughs> Who Wendy Williams. About? Yes. When we all thought Wendy Williams maybe was dead or dying, and we were like looking for replacements, I thought, oh, Kiki, because they had her go in to host a few days. I think she's. And I thought. I think Wendy is still dying. Not doing great. Yeah. Oh, so I can't joke about it if it's no. true. It's oh. funny. They had to. Uh, you can cut this, obviously, but they had to. <laughs> you know, they're stupid. Uh, Last culturistas culture awards thing they like can't do it because like wendy is like all the nomination oh my god i didn't know that she wasn't doing good i mean she does faint on tv sometimes so that that's is still like, one of the that's... wildest moments on i know and television. i want to laugh at it so bad but it, i know that i shouldn't i know that i shouldn't the killer <laughs> the killer i love the killer 
the killer's out there. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to give the killer any opportunities to come and kill me. No, I would be Our just like the killer, who are seventy five percent dudes in their thirties, as the numbers <laughs> have shown, will not appreciate these Wendy William references. Um, but that's fine. Um, to get back into Bride of Frankenstein's troubled production history, at least for the remake, uh, Jolie. If Jolie was deciding to leave the project, because it sounds like it was getting iffy, uh, Bill Condon also announced that he would be interested in seeing Gal Gadot play the titular character. I have a feeling I'll know what you think about that, but do you want to give me some? Do you want to give me some of your feed? Yeah, um, I know, it's so boring. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Gal Gadot, I, mean, clearly, I yeah. think is like a perfect wonder woman like i think that's about the extent of her um i mean ability to um uh to absorb a character (laughs) and uh display emotion i think that's about it (laughs) yeah maybe it would work if they were going the whole like she's in it for five minutes at the end but other than that she's a little wooden and if anyone and i think this was obviously (laughs) this was all before wonder woman 2 came out and um, that changed the zeitgeist opinion, I think, a little bit. Yeah, Because it was so bad. Did you see it? Yeah, I did. Oh, it was so bad. It was really, really bad. Was the first one bad, too, and I just didn't realize it? Because I remember liking the first one. But I saw the first one in theaters and was, the second one on video. I was just going to say, the first one we got to see in theaters. And I think that and makes... it does make a difference. Yeah. I remember when I, I was reviewing Halloween Kills, and I just wanted a screener because the world was ending. Mm. And they were like, you know what? I don't know if I can say this. Yeah. It gives you a different feel when you're seeing something in theaters. You're definitely a little less rude, I think, internally. I was trying to think of who my answers would be in terms of casting. Oh, my God. Of course. And I keep – I. well, I told you that the photo, for some reason, gives me serious Sarah Paulson vibes. Um, oh, that's right. That's there's right. There's something in the eyes that's like a mix of like Sarah Paulson and like Rose McGowan of the yeah, like like a pa- a panic and a judgment. Yes, yes, and they're huge. They're big those eyes. Yeah, yeah. And those, those are some big eyes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I so there, but again, that's the Angelina Jolie problem. We uh, the these women, wonderful actresses, have I think unfortunately aged out of this role mm-hmm. um yeah. unless they decide to take the story in a different direction which of course i would well, love and celebrate be any age right like they just need a fresh brain they don't need a for like a, a spring chicken um but yeah I, I i think it would be the right move to give this to sort of the new guard mm-hmm. and to do it in an interesting and uh woman focused way so I'm nah. gonna I'm gonna see your uh, two people from the Ryan Murphy universe, and I'm gonna okay. give you two people from the movie Little Women, which is <gasps> smart. Um, I think I would love to see either Florence Pugh. Yeah. Actually, I'm gonna give you three. I think Sersha. I think Florence Pugh, and I think um, our our sharp objects girly. Uh, oh yeah! Could oh do yeah! A good job. I I, I, the, the second you said Sersha, I was like, no, no, she needs to play Doctor Frankenstein. Oh yes, right? Yeah, and definitely Pew can. I mean, Pew could be the monster, but I feel almost feel like you got to give her the wife. I'm sorry, yeah. give her the wife. Let's just like take 
little women and just and then rejig it all around um yeah and and and, uh and and minnie can be timothy chalamet yeah (laughs) um who are we land oh and did you but you didn't say hermione granger because why would you because why would i yeah what a mess what a mess I don't um, think she so has the acting chops to play. To do a, anything. Yeah. She doesn't have the acting chops to to play. Um, I was going to make a callback to Beauty and the Beast, regional Canadian theater, but I made Aww. a mistake and I did a bad job. Um, so out of all the little women, who is the ultimate Frankenstein? Oh, uh, who's the ultimate bride of Frankenstein? I guess I'll go Pew just because I know mm-hmm. she can really pull it off. But I feel like that's a bit of a boring answer. I don't know. No, I love it. Honestly, yeah? I love it. I do. I love it. I love it. I, I love anything. Um, I love anything Little Women in conjunction with Bride of Frankenstein. For some reason, I see, maybe because they're both period pieces, but I just, I see the connection. I think so. I mean, it's definitely, they probably would have, it feels very much like the plays that they would have done in there. Yes. Uh, in their little attic. Oh, and you know, it's funny. This is a real true story. But as I was watching, I couldn't help but think that um, the wife of Henry mm-hmm. looked like Greta Gerwig, in my opinion. She like she like really looked like Greta, Greta Gerwig to me the whole time. And That's so, Greta so Gerwig was funny. on my mind. Yeah. I don't think I saw that. I'm trying to recall the image. That's fine. That's fine. And I think Greta could also pull off. Well, listen. We'll get to it eventually, but like even as of now, they're still thinking about men to direct and to write. And to write, yes, I saw that. Absurd. This has to be done by a woman. This is such a woman's story. It's like, it's just like absurd to me that you would give this to a a man, even from like a marketing standpoint. Like this is it's it's like the Barbie movie. It's like this like classic woman's story. I am almost fully like. Give this to I'm on team. Give this to Greta fully because she's doing that yep. Barbie Barbie movie. Yes, and yes, it's so funny when I was thinking of like what would like a because this is where my brain goes when I was trying to mm-hmm. think of like what would a 2021 Bride of Frankenstein story be. I just kept picturing like the I kept picturing like life size and like splash. And, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yes. What are what's it, it actually going to be yes. like to see this woman? Like, oh yeah, 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 right. And like, it doesn't need to be serious tone tonally. No, like, this could have an, like an enchanted vibe if we really wanted it to. It could be freaky. Oh, but good. she would be good. She would be good. Um, what's our girl from Sharp Objects? The lead, Amy. Amy she, Adams. Again, she's too old. I'm sorry. Wow, you're really I, I ageist am. today. The ageism is blatant. <laughs> ageism in Hollywood wild. all boils down to, <laughs> to women one woman women. in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Um, I want to swerve back to poor Mr. Bill. Poor Mr. Condon, who when eventually was asked about his Bride of Frankenstein remake not entering production, this is what the guy had to say. That was a heartbreaker. The simplest way to say it is that I think The Mummy, and not to say anything against that movie, but the fact that that hadn't worked for them, which I'm assuming is the studio, and it was the beginning of this whole reinvention for the monsters, and it gave them cold feet at the end of the day. And because the writer was writing the script, and I thought it was unbelievably good, we were on the verge of making a really beautiful movie, I thought. So that was a shame. 
So it sounds like this guy was really excited about this production, which makes sense with his history um, creating uh, gods and monsters about James Whale. It was mm-hmm. like, kind of does. It seems in some ways like the perfect, if you're going to give this to a dude, give it to an old gay man that once dated Ryan Murphy. So a story about Ryan Mur- Murphy and Bill Condon that I'm obsessed with goes like this. So Samantha, our guest today, very special guest, introduces me to a lot of nonfiction books. And one of my favorite that she's introduced me to was um, I Like to Watch by Emily Nussbaum, who's like a, a famous, is she like a New Yorker writer about film yeah. and TV generally? She was a TV critic for she- The New Yorker and – now, I think she still writes for The New Yorker, but she's not their critic anymore. And she's this, like, hot shot journalist. And she's incredible. And so I was reading her book on vacation a million years ago with Sam. <laughs> and the last chapter in I Like to Watch, I believe, or one of the last chapters, mm-hmm. is about Ryan Murphy. And she has this, like, uh, pretty intense sit-down interview with Ryan Murphy. And they go over his whole career. And he shares like a truly unhinged, disturbing story about his past relationship with director Bill Condon, who is, you know, the guy that we're talking about Mm -hmm. today. And they were living together on this beach house somewhere on the, on the ocean. And the relationship was, I believe sort of near the end of its run. And Bill Condon was swimming out at sea and like I they I believe they were like kind of didn't like each other very much anymore as relationships will go. And Bill Condon got um stuck in an undercurrent and kind of got stuck out at sea and was like kind of flailing for help and was in danger out in the water. And Ryan Murphy tells the story about how he like is watching Bill Condon out at sea and like watching him struggle and like for a brief moment just considered letting him die. And then he was so something along the lines of, of, he was like, well, and I guess I should have realized that like our relationship, you know, should have been over at that point. Oh my and Emily gosh. Nussbaum was just like, who are you? You are an unhinged gay man. And he, it's a story that I've always been a little bit obsessed with. It is um, wild. Yeah. It's so Ryan Murphy in my opinion, but don't be too afraid because in October of 2020, the adaptation was announced to still be in the works, and there was a new casting announcement for The Bride of Frankenstein in the name of Scarlett Johansson. No other announcements or confirmations had been made since that rumor, and it's believed generally that that's not happening. So, so how do we I feel about Charlotte, Scarlett Johansson taking on the role? Do we feel any which way about that at all? It feels like a very 2013 choice. Uh, <laughs> like she has the eyes. She like is that level of a list. It's just like yeah, I I yeah. it doesn't. I don't know. It's she not has hitting. the starkitude. The starkitude. Of course, you know, th- that that black and white promo photo would be beautiful, just like with Angelina Jolie. But Absolutely. There's not a lot going on beneath the surface there in a way that I really want there to be for for our bride. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I think I maybe I underestimate Scarlett. I'm not a fan. Yeah, me neither. Um, which means I kind of write her off whenever I can. But she's now Oscar nominated at least once, maybe twice. Um, people really liked her. Oh, yeah, twice in one year. Yeah. Jojo Rabbit and uh, mm-hmm. Marriage is Bad. Marriage is Bad. Um, 
marriage is bad the movie <laughs> so maybe she could do it i don't know i love ghost world really good movie so who yeah, is she could dead? do it but it's it, it just feels like boring. a boring choice yeah it's 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 boring just like a list white lady yeah yeah go for an a minus list white lady guys come on <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yeah, or Kiki Palmer. Or Kiki Palmer. Go for Kiki Give it to Palmer. Kiki. Or one you know of the I've little women if you must. Or one of the little women. You know who I've been casting in all of my hypothetical reboots lately? Um, I think her name is Isabella Gomez. The, like, nerdy queer daughter from One Day at a Time. Yes. I, like, want to. One Day at a think, Time. Oh, my God. I love One Day at a Time. I, it, my favorite casting I put her in, I think, was, like, Laurie Strode, if like I had to do a mm-hmm. like a modern retelling of Laurie Strode, like I would love That's to see great. Him. Oh, hi, honey. <laughs> He's here to say hi. Hi, honey. Um, yeah. So no, a no go on that. Uh, by February 2020, Amy Pascal was announced to be producing the project, and that's kind of like one of the last places that we see it being hmm. was um yeah being produced by amy pascal at universal do you know who amy pascal is i sure do tell me tell me tell me well she she's a power producer lady um mm. who i believe was with sony because she was uh one of the people who was um, whose emails were hacked, and she had some of the more oh. embarrassing emails. I oh, shit. I think I need to see. I think I need to reference them. One sec. Yeah, but I look also it up. believe this is she's the like juice. a huge, huge heavy hitter producer. I believe she does Greta's movies. Like I think she did do Little Women. Speaking. Oh my god, it's all about that. Up. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, Amy Pascal emails. Well, that's the that's the movie I want to watch. Okay. Is she the one that said Spider-Man has to be straight and white? Was that her? I don't think so. Maybe. <laughs> no, maybe. I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. I just, that's the only email I remember happening. And good for you, North Korea. That needed to be exposed. <laughs> I bet oh, North Korea it's so funny. Book. Just like getting to see, yeah, there, uh, this shit that got leaked, like Rooney, an email from Rooney Mara asking Amy Pascal about the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo sequel that didn't happen. Oh. Yeah. Wow, everyone's like us. Everyone just everyone. wants to know what's going on. Yeah, everyone's oh. just and signing their emails with XOXO Rooney. Uh, fuck you, Rooney Mara. Yeah. You disrespectful person who had bad things to say about the terrible Nightmare on Elm Street remake she starred in. Yes, it was bad. But you know what? Be grateful that you're even in the realm of my genre. Um, and speaking of people who are ungrateful for being in the realm of horror, that leads us to talking about John Kravinsky. So, unfortunately, okay, I know. Everyone's probably a big fan of John Kravinsky. I Get it, I guess. I'm not, because he's on record saying that he doesn't think that A Quiet Place is a horror movie, which is what? such a douche. Yes! He has said that he doesn't think that John, that that A Quiet Place is a horror movie, and he, like, he thinks it's a thriller, which is such a fucking narrative I cannot stand when people uh. refuse to acknowledge horror because they don't think it's prestige enough, and they like think they're better than it, when they really just don't understand that horror is beautiful and can be anything. Anyway. Yep. So fuck this guy. Anyway, 
John Kravinsky uh, apparently was approached by Universal with a bunch of their different properties or different IPs to pick from. And this is what they did with uh, Jordan Peele. Mm. When they approached him, um, they approached him and said, we have all these IPs, which one do you want to do? And then he picked Candyman. I believe the same thing happened with John Kravinsky. And I don't know to what extent he's working on these films, but his name was also brought up into the into the pot. Interesting. Along with Sam Raimi of the Evil Dead. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Big snore that to that, in us. my opinion. Say that again. Big snore to that, in my opinion. Big snore, snore, snore. Have you seen A Quiet Place? I haven't actually. I haven't either, so I really shouldn't be talking yeah. shit. People love those movies. They're considered to be some of the scariest movies of like modern horror history. But I just get my back up when people say douchey things about my genre. Yeah, I'm still mad about the some good news shit. I think he needs to be sent to development hell for that. What's Uh, some good news? Remember at the beginning of the pandemic when he was like, when it was that thing where celebrities actually had to be in their homes. So they were like, I'm going to do a YouTube show. And he did that show about like good news. And then he like sold it to CBS when he was done doing it for six weeks. Yeah. Gross. I hate him. Gross, gross, gross. I'm sorry, everybody. Ugh, I'm sure my audience loves him. I'm going to have to cut all this out, but I'm That's still good. mad about it. Yeah. You'll yeah, help yeah, us yeah. out. I, oh, I will, I will, I will, I will. Yeah. So that's kind of where we left off with the Bride of Frankenstein reboot, update, remake, whatever you want to call it. It didn't exactly die off with the death of Dark Universe, but it hasn't come back to life. She has not risen, as I could say. Um, I do think that where we're at now, if we were ever to see it, it has to be made by a woman. It like, I don't want to be, uh, like, that woke bloke, but it's just such an iconic, like, woman's story. How, like, I have to see this. And we only have one female filmmaker, so give it to Greta. <laughs> exactly. Give it to Amy? Greta. That has it's to be cut. That has to be Come on, Amy. And she's Come on, never Amy, done stop strumming before. and start <laughs> rumming. Um, <laughs> oh, shoot. What was I going to say? Um, what did you just say before Greta? Oh, a woman. Yes. Uh, it mm-hmm. needs to be a woman because I think that the story – we haven't really seen what Bride of Frankenstein can do, right? Because no. we've truly Other seen her scream. for two minutes, scream. We know she has great hair. Um, a shock of white. A shock of white. Um, and that's about it. And so I think that, like, to make this character feel, like, lived in or expand on it in truly any way, I think you I think you really got to get in at the ground level, you know? Like, it, it's got to come from a place of, like... Uh, like, a, like, intimacy, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'm looking up a list of, like, you know, modern woman filmmakers. I'm trying to think of, like, who I would give this gig to. Um, do you have any offhand, or should I just tell you some of the ones that are coming up that I think could work? You go, and then I'll, I'll it might spark me. Um. Okay, we said Greta because it's the obvious pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lulu Wang really proved herself oh, a couple yeah. years back, and I I'd love to see her do like an intimate A twenty four 
uh, Bride mm-hmm. of Frankenstein. I think that'd be cool. I don't know about Chloe Zhao. Um, I think we need to give her a little bit of a rest right yeah. now. And also, this is not a sweeping beachy movie. No. So no. maybe not. But I would, I mean, listen, I would run, I would rush to see that if, if it was. But Sofia Coppola is sort of hit and miss. She's done some of the best films of all time, but also some of the most boring. Yeah. I think she could, she's, she's got the aesthetic to pull this off. I'm going to say no for this, but uh, with love. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I respect that. I also love Casey Lemons, who uh, um, who recently did Harriet, which I did not see, mm. unfortunately. But that could be a cool one, too. She's in the original Candyman. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Are there any lady filmmakers that you, that, that you got off the cuff that you would throw this one at? Well, I'm having a hard time. Like, I'm my brain definitely isn't going to horror directors, which is not so. Oh my God, Julie Taymor. <laughs> it could work. It, it could work. work. Miranda July. <laughs> no, um, maybe like a um, a Marielle Heller. She did. Who's um, that? She did. Oh, it's one of those like crazy movies. So it's gonna be. I'm. The one with Melissa McCarthy where she played the author that... Oh, yeah. yeah like, I don't like this at all. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, what yeah. am I doing here right now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, I'm only thinking of I Think You Should Leave, and that is obviously not what it I is. I know exactly but... what you're talking about, and I like our titles better than whatever <laughs> it's originally titled. Um, she did okay, that. She did um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, oh, yeah, so she's, she's a sad lady. Good stuff, Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, I said, Ducarnau, Julia Ducarnau of Raw and yes. uh, Titan fame. Although I know that she said explicitly that she's not interested in doing anything Hollywood. So maybe we have to respect that even in our fantasy leagues. Yeah, maybe. She's so gross, though. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'd be interested in what you think of Raw, but I don't want to send you into it because it's so fucking disgusting. I know... I- I know the gist. I oh, the gist is not like it's just like really awful like visual gore. moments that mm-hmm. I not even gorgeous like like uh, scary crusty like um, skin things like yeah remember. I don't like crust. No 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 me neither. Um, although Titan, I would be interested in your thoughts on because that was outrageous all around. Outrageous all around. So. I like where we ended off. I think uh, we have some good names on the table, and I will be forwarding those to Sony. I think I got to um, throw one more in the ring before okay. we go, just because I thought of it. And not director, I'm going to go back to our back to our um, ingenue Reality. here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do another easy choice, but uh, this is – she's who I cast in everything, uh, which is my girl Zendaya. Oh yeah, and she's the classic. Give her five minutes, and then give her the mm-hmm, the title. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, Zendaya would be perfect. Zendaya would be great. I I, I think Zendaya would be really really good. And she does oh, she does unhinged she well. Yeah, she does. She yeah she yes yes uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, but give her more than five minutes though. Yeah, you like, have to. Become, that's becoming a, a pattern I don't love for Zendaya. And I also um, don't want a – well, apparently she's going to be in, like, the sequel to do. We'll she's, like – it's, like, no, all I about her. No, I won't see. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, all neither about her. will okay, I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Um, I like that. I think that's actually a beautiful choice. And I like that we have some women of color in the mix because I don't know. How could you not have a woman of color in the mix for this one? I, I don't have a reason, but it just feels like a natural um, alignment. It's certainly, again, when we're speaking about names like Angelina Jolie and Scarlett Johansson in the year of our Lord 2021, I think we can take a step back. This is, not, and... this is not 2016. This is not 2016, I repeat. No. Let's take a step. Let's take a step. Are you Are you comfortable? Are you able, are you willing to come with me into our final segment, which is conclusions? Absolutely. Holy shit. So one of the big um, benefits to this podcast is that we are Hollywood, we have the clout, and we get to decide if these projects are going to happen or if they're not going to happen, which is really great to have that kind of power. But at the same time, it's a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So before we rush, 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 rush into deciding if we're going to greenlit this or red light this, uh, do you think the dark universe is officially dead and gone? Or do you think uh, we're going to see it in a different way? Like, will it become Roku originals or whatever? Are we going to see the dark universe logo again? Oh. In a professional setting. <laughs> in a professional setting. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah, I'm not. In, not in not the dark universe. Correct. I think they're gonna. No. I think they're gonna pick it apart and um, milk it for all it's worth um, in its individual pieces. But I think. But now that that's out of the way, um, sort of like the Invisible Man, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but I'm really glad that it exists. Mm-hmm. We'll start to see some of these projects in very different ways. You know, we're we're just like how the Invisible Man was like, you know, a fairly alternative way to make that story compared to how they were going to go. Totally. I think we're going to see more smaller, edgier, more interesting versions of these, more Bloomhouse-esque versions of these stories. So while the Dark Universe is dead and gone, and we agree on that, Bride of Frankenstein, will she rise? What do you say? Yes, absolutely. Oh, interesting, interesting. I agree. I don't know if it'll be anytime soon, but I think, yeah, how could, as you were saying with IP, like how, how could it not? Yeah. We, we see new versions of this every so often, no matter what. And I, I Frankenstein comes to mind. And I think as you were saying, like these, oh. these hey. Bloomhouse style ones where, or, or these modern adaptions where you can just take like a, a little nugget and then transform it i think that's like the best way to do any of this stuff the last thing i want to see is like a remake of the original story or a version of the original story i would say yeah i agree 150 percent sam thank you so much for coming on this episode it was such a joy such a treat thank you so much for having me oh of course anytime (laughs) and i We'll be seeing you again, unless I uh, am gravely mistaken or get hit by a car. <laughs> but Sam, if you could be found online, where would you be found? You can find me at at Samantha Reyes underscore uh, on Twitter and Instagram, where you can see oh. my posts from approximately three years ago. Wow, and times were better. <laughs> 
when times so. were times. Yeah, and now times are, are dimes and we're it's not good. But yeah, so if you want to check out Samantha from three years ago, absolutely check her out on Instagram or Twitter. It's worth the investment. Um, and yeah, that, and that's all for me. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode on Bride of Frankenstein. If you liked it, let us know. Maybe we'll do a whole series on these Dark Universe films. Good Lord, there's enough of them out there. Oh, and if you could please do me the favor of uh, subscribing to this podcast and if you're feeling extra sweet and delicious you're gonna go and you're gonna give it a five star rating you're gonna leave it a positive review you're gonna say i love josh it's such a good podcast something like that i don't need to tell you exactly what to write All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.